this week on Pointing the Way with Pastor Shad Smith. Welcome to Pointing the Way, a ministry of the Northside Baptist Church in Dallas, Georgia. We pray you will find direction for living as we look into the Word of God today. to him. What does Jesus do after the temptation? 
Surely he'd go down by the Dead Sea to one of those resorts, you know, and just take a few days off. But no, Jesus walked 70 miles back to the north. He goes up there and he begins his preaching ministry. The Bible says that he went uh, and he called four disciples, Simon and Andrew and James and John. And then with those four, he went into the synagogue. On the Sabbath day, the Bible says he went into the synagogue in Capernaum and he preached the gospel. He preached to repent and to believe the gospel. Remember that great story? We talked about it last week where there was a demon-possessed man that cried out there in the middle of the service. And Jesus right there in the middle of that uh, synagogue Sabbath service, Jesus delivered that man. And then after church that day, they did what all good Baptists do. They went to lunch over at Simon Peter's house. And they got over there and... Jesus learned that Peter's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever. So what did he do? He healed that woman of the fever. And then pretty soon after the the deliverance of the demon-possessed man and healing Peter's mother-in-law, word got out real quick and people started coming from all over the place and they began to fill the courtyard of the house and try to get into the house. Everybody wanted to see Jesus. Everybody wanted a miracle. And for the rest of the, the day, that's what Jesus did. He just went out there in the front yard and he began healing people and touching people and delivering people and, and helping and ministering to their needs. So it's been a long day for Jesus. You've got to remember, he's still just as much man as he is God. In his physical body, he's tired now. He needs to lay down. He needs a good night's sleep. Now, think about that day and the last few days in the life of Jesus. Think about that and now listen to verse 35. Verse 35 says, And in the morning, rising up early, a great while before the day, it says, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. Jesus left Simon Peter's house, found himself a quiet spot to pray and have communion with his Maker. Now, I don't want you to ignore this great truth this morning. If Jesus Christ made time to make communion and have communion with His Heavenly Father. And I'm not just talk, I'm not talking about having a little cup of grape juice and, and, and a little piece of bread. I'm talking about getting out there and spiritually communing with His Father and praying for hours before the sun came up. If Jesus saw the need to do that, to regain His physical and spiritual strength by having fellowship with His Heavenly Father, how much more that I need to do that. How much more do you need to spend time in communion with your Heavenly Father if you're ever going to be what God wants you to be? Listen, if you want to have the power of God resting in and on your life, you have got to have a time alone with God every single day. And if you're here today and you say, well, preacher, I I I know that's important. I I want you to think about this. Is God using you in a mighty way right now? You say, well, I don't know about a mighty way. I like to think God's using me. Of course you do. Everybody likes to think God's doing something in their life. But what's the truth? Is God really using your life in a mighty way? You say, well, no, I can't say that. I want to tell you what's probably lacking in your life. You're probably lacking spiritual communion with your Maker. You're probably lacking that that Jesus had. Jesus gives us a wonderful example to follow of how to have communion with our Maker. First of all, you find a place of solitude. You find a quiet place to get away from all the distractions. Lay down the cell phone, turn the television off, get away from people, get into a quiet place. 
And then when you get there, tell God what the needs of your life are. And trust Him and draw strength from Him to get you through that day. Until you do that, you're not going to have the power to accomplish much of anything in this life for God, much less winning souls. Now, Jesus had to get along with His Heavenly Father. Look at verse number 36. Look what happens in verse 36. The Bible says in verse number 36, And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. Old Simon Peter, he finally wakes up about 9, 10 o'clock, you know. He smells them biscuits cooking. I, I imagine that mother-in-law of his that had been sick, she's up cooking breakfast now, you know. And he smells breakfast. Old Simon gets up and wipes the sleep out of his eyes. He starts looking around. Where's Jesus? Anybody seen Jesus? And people are out there knocking on the door in, 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 the, morning, in the morning. They spit the night out in the front yard. They're, they're out there waiting on Jesus. They need a touch from Jesus. And, and so people's looking for Jesus. And Simon says, I don't know where he's at. And so he grabs Peter, uh, grabs Andrew and James and John and says, we've got to go find Jesus. He's gone missing. How'd you like to be in, in charge of hosting Jesus at your house and then you lose Jesus? You know, that ain't a good thing, you know. And so that they put together a search party and they go out and they look for Jesus. And you know where they find Jesus? Way out there in a desert place, in a solitary place. And you know what Peter says? Peter says, Jesus, almost like Peter is getting on to Jesus. He says, Jesus, everybody is looking for you. Everybody's looking for you. You know, when Jesus did all these miracles, that gained a lot of attention. Everybody wants to see Jesus now. Everybody, listen to me. Everybody wants something from Jesus. Now, not everybody wants to give themselves to Jesus, but everybody wants something from Jesus. But Jesus didn't come specifically just to do miracles. That wasn't the purpose of why He came. He came to Galilee to preach the gospel. He came to tell those folks, repent and believe the gospel. But now everybody's so excited about the miracles, they care less about the message. They want Him to do something. Well, Simon Peter, he's excited too. I mean, this is, this is good news for Simon Peter. I mean, everybody's at Simon Peter's house wanting to meet Simon's new friend. So Simon, I, I imagine Simon kind of takes the... Uh, the part of, he's going to be Jesus' road manager. Jesus, don't you know everybody's looking for you? Come on, hurry up, Jesus. In a few minutes, we gotta, I, got you a, I got you an interview booked on Good Morning Capernaum. Everybody wants to hear what you're doing. i got all kind of plans for us today, Jesus. But listen, Jesus had been out there in that solitary place. Jesus wasn't getting his plans for the day from Simon Peter. That's a good place to ask this question. Who dictates what you do tomorrow? Who dictates your plans? For the day. If you want some direction, some good direction in your life, spend some time communing with your Maker. Let Him dictate the direction of your day. When you do that, your life will start being what God wants it to be, and other things will begin to fall into place. Just, I mean, incredibly and miraculously, things will just fall into place when you start spending time with your Maker. And you'll never win souls if you hadn't spent, spent time with the Savior. Jesus shows us if we're going to win souls and influence people, we got to spend some time with our Maker. You know why we have a lack of soul winners in our day? Because we've probably got a lot of people that just aren't spending much time with Jesus. Y'all all right? We want to win souls and influence people. We've got to have communion with our Maker. Jesus shows us, number two, if we want to win souls and influence people for the glory of God, number two, we need to have compassion with our message. Compassion with our message. Look at verse 38. In verse 38, Jesus tells Simon and those other disciples, 
Let us go into the next town. Now remember, all these people were looking for Jesus back there at, his, at Simon Peter's house. But Jesus said, we're not going back there. Let us go into the next towns that I may preach, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. Jesus said, I didn't come to heal every sick person. I didn't come to open up a medical clinic. I came to preach so that man, not that he would live another 30, 40 years on earth, so that he could live forever in, in heaven with me. I came to preach. And so in verse 39, the Bible says, And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. And Jesus goes from town to town, synagogue to synagogue, preaching that same message. Chapter 1 told us he came preaching, Repent and believe the gospel. Say that with me today. Repent and believe the gospel. Two things you've got to do if you want to go to heaven. Repent and believe the gospel. Now, I want you to think about this. Jesus is not out there giving little devotions. He's not out there giving little group therapy sessions like they're doing in some of these places out here today. You with me? He's not preaching little sermonettes to Christianettes. No, ladies and gentlemen, he's out there preaching like, just like John did. Repent! Believe the gospel! Repent! Repent! Turn from your sin! And not an easy message. No, church, that's what we need to be telling this lost world today. Repent. Turn your life around. Uh, we need to be telling that to our family. We need to be telling that to our friends, to every man, woman, boy, and girl, how they need to turn from their sin and get right with God. Is there anybody you're sharing that with? You say, well, I'm just trying to live the Christian life. How many times in, in the course of just living the Christian life, does somebody just walk up to you and say, Sir, what must I do to be saved? I've just been watching your life, and it looks so different. What do I got to do to have that? Now, I, I'm not going to argue that occasionally that might happen, because it has happened before. But more often than not, you got to get down there where people are and say, Hey, repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. They can watch your Christian life all the way to the gates of hell and beyond. Eventually, you've got to tell them. You've got to share the message. But while Jesus is out there sharing the message, out there in that desert and solitude place, out there between these towns, everywhere preaching, the Bible says in verse 40, one of those sinners came. And this particular sinner was a leper. Now, I don't know what you know about leprosy, but the Bible talks an awful lot about it. Leprosy is a hard picture, physical picture, of what sin does to a life spiritually. Leprosy, sores would cover the body. It started out as a little, little white spot, a little white sore, but it, it began to spread and get red and irritated and begin to, to ooze. It began to eat away at the flesh, and they put a little salve on it, and, and it wouldn't get better. And, and it, would, it would eat away at the flesh all the way down to a man's bone, and it would begin to spread up his arm and down his limbs, and pretty soon the skin would just fall off, and limbs would fall off, and the man would, would ultimately, it was fatal, and he would die. And to make, to make it worse, this horrible disease was incredibly contagious. Contagious. It was so contagious, people couldn't be around a leper. You couldn't touch them. They couldn't touch you. If they got within so many feet of you, they had to say, unclean, unclean, unclean. They had to warn you that they were contagious. Keep your distance. This guy's life was awful. If you read Luke's account of this same story, Luke tells us a little more about his condition. 
Luke says he didn't just have leprosy, he was full of leprosy. And I believe what that means is he was in the advanced stages, the final stages of leprosy. If that's the case, this guy probably had leprosy for seven, eight years or so. Because that's not how long it takes for leprosy to claim your life. Nobody for the last seven or eight years could have human contact with this guy. It was too dangerous. He's an outcast. And the only possible cure for leprosy was divine. That time, at that time, there was no clinic you could go down to get a couple of shots and be cured of leprosy. The only lepers that were cured in the Bible, you read the Old Testament, really there's only about three of them. Moses, uh, Miriam was uh, cured of leprosy. Naaman was cured of leprosy. Three of them in the Old Testament. Possibly they Okay? So, so very few people cured. And the only way you got a cure was from God. So it was rare for a person to be cured from it, and it was incredibly dangerous. But watch what happens in verse 4. This leper, in verse number 40, he comes to Jesus. And remember, you're not supposed to get close to anybody if you got leprosy. But he gets close to Jesus. And he beseeches him, that means he begs him, he gets down on his knees, and he says, Jesus, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. In other words, Jesus, I know you can heal me if you want to. If it's your will... You can cleanse my life. Now watch verse 41. The Bible says, And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. Here's a man that had probably not felt the touch of another human being for eight years. Here's a man that endangered the health of everybody around him. You, you were just asking to die. It was a death wish if you touched this guy. But the Bible says Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him. Jesus took those same hands that would be nailed to a cross and shed blood. And with those hands, he reached out with compassion and he touched this man. Now remember what Jesus had been doing before he touched this guy? Jesus had been all over the country preaching, repent, believe the gospel. Repent, believe the gospel. Turn from your sins, believe the gospel. And I want you to see what Jesus teaches us right here. Jesus shows us, Brother Les, it takes more. It takes more than just a message. If you're going to win souls and influence people, there's got to be some compassion with that message. Oh, listen to me. I've been in church all my life. I've heard some of the soundest theology, gun barrel straight preaching you ever want to hear. I've heard people witness and tell the truth. I mean, just, just gun barrel straight. They look somebody in the eye and say, you're lost. If you don't, uh, if you don't get saved, if you die in your sins, you're going to bust hell wide open. And that's completely true. But that truth will never penetrate the human heart and change a life if there's no compassion. I'm convinced some people don't care about winning souls. They just want to win an argument. They just want to be right all the time and see somebody else is wrong. You know, that's sad when we've got the truth. We've got the good doctrine. We've got the truth of the Word of God. And we don't have the compassion to go with it. We're halfway to reaching the whole world for Jesus Christ. I met some folks 
They've been saved so long they can name all the books of the Bible, sing the apostles' song backwards and tell you the names of all the tribes of Israel, and they've got all these facts in their life. But let me tell you what's missing. They've forgotten what it was like in their life to be down in a mud hole of a pit on their way to hell, and the strong, compassionate hand of Jesus reached down there and found them. They've got like those old Pharisees, they're full of reverence and religious piety and all this stuff, but they have no compassion, and they strut around through the week and look down their nose at people that don't know Jesus like they've forgotten that they were on, the, on their way to the same hell everybody else that's lost without Christ is on their way to I'm thankful Jesus didn't just come to me with a message. He had compassion with his message. And unless we share the message, there's no place for mean-spirited talk in the message of Jesus Christ. No place for a man or a man or a woman to go out and witness with a mean spirit. No place for a man to get up in a pulpit with a mean spirit and beat people to death. Ladies and gentlemen, the message of the gospel has to be accompanied by compassion. If you're ever going to win a soul, Jesus did what nobody else did. He reached down. He touched a man with compassion that hadn't been touched for years. He reached down. He didn't mind getting that man's disease on him. He reached down. He lifted that man up. The Bible says immediately he was healed. Brother Ryan, I like to think that guy walked away singing old Bill Gaither's song. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And all oh, the joy that floods my soul. Oh, what a touch of compassion that came from Jesus. Listen, church, we've got the right message. We've got the right message right there. First Corinthians 13 says you can speak with the tongues of men and angels. But if there's no love, no charity, no, no compassion, you're like a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. You're just out there making noise. Listen, I'm going to get up here and sell Sunday and make noise. I'm going to see that dope addict delivered. I'm going to see that lost man on his way to hell picked up and put on the road to heaven. I want to see that guy who has no hope in his marriage see that thing restored and gloriously transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to see that derelict, that wretch saved and given a home in heaven. We've got to have compassion. You've got to have a broken heart for sinners. You're never going to win anybody if you have no compassion. Have no compassion. The Bible says, they that sow in what? Tears shall reap in joy. Psalm 126 and verse 6 says, He that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. The Bible says in the book of Jude, Of some have compassion, making a difference. If you want to make a difference in somebody's life, you've got to have compassion. Jesus no doubt made a difference and delivered that man because he showed the man compassion. You've got to have compassion with the message. Say, I got the right message, preacher. I, I don't know. I don't know why I'm not winning souls. I've read the whole Roman road. I can quote John 3.16 backwards and, and, and forwards. And I stand out there at my work and I greet everybody. Good morning, you're going to hell. Good morning, you're going to hell. Good morning, you're going to hell. I don't know why nobody's getting saved. Because you have no compassion. Jesus had compassion with his name. Number three, you want to win souls and influence people for the glory of God, there has to be cooperation with our Master. After Jesus touched this leper, 
He said, now, Mr. Clint's leper, I need you to cooperate with me. Here's what I want you to do. Verse 44. See thou say nothing to any man. But go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded, for a testimony unto them. Unto who? Unto the priest. The first thing I want you to do, Mr. Cleanse Leper, go over there at the temple and give your testimony. Tell them what I've done in your life. Don't tell anybody else. Go to the priest first. Now, there's two reasons. Jesus told this man not to tell anybody. The first reason I've shared a little bit with you already. There was a priest over there that even though this guy was cleansed by Jesus, it was such a rare thing, such a dangerous thing, he had to be certified that he was cleansed before he could get back out in society. Before anybody was going to let him go anywhere, he had somebody had to examine him, certify, he really is cleansed. He really is cleansed. But otherwise, some old leper could just get homesick and fake a cleansing and get out there in town just to see his family and, and kill the whole village. So he had to be certified and cleansed by the law of Moses, the command of Moses, the things Moses commanded. What did Moses command? Well, you read that back in Leviticus chapter 14. Moses commanded this ceremony to certify a leper clean. And it went like this. Moses said, you get two birds, two birds. Take them to the priest and give them to the priest. The priest will take one of those birds and kill it. And take a basin of water and drain the blood of that bird into the basin. He'd lay that dead bird aside. Then he would take that living bird and dip it down into that bloody water. And take that living bird, lift it up out of the water with blood and water dripping off of his wings, and he'd let it go. And as that bird would fly toward the heavens with blood dripping from his wings, that leper and everybody else would know, there goes the basis of this man's cleansing. It's the blood dripping from his wings. You remember when Scripture described our Lord as the Son of Righteousness arising with healing in his wings? Oh, listen. But those priests, they didn't get to see a leper that had been cleansed come in there much. I told you, there been only three or four instances where it even happened in the Old Testament. And so Jesus said, the first one I want you to go to, he's going to get it first. Take the message over there to that priest. And when that priest sees that testimony, when he sees that changed life, when he sees that blood dripping from those wings, that old priest, he's going to put two and two together. you got blood, you got a cleansing, and it all comes because of a, a man named Jesus. Jesus must be God's Savior sent to man. Jesus wanted the priest to hear the testimony. Why? Because he wanted that priest, that religious man that spent his life studying the Word of God, to finally get it that Jesus is God's Messiah, that Jesus is the Savior. Jesus wanted that priest to be saved. And if that leper had just cooperated with Jesus' plan, that old priest would have likely saw all this and given his heart to Jesus too. The second reason Jesus told him, go your way, go tell the priest, is because Jesus knew if the guy went right back into town, he's going to create such a stir. 
Number one, he's probably never going to get over there to the priest. The priest is never going to hear what happened. He's going to create such a stir. And all that's going to do is that's going to ramp up this enthusiasm for everybody to come get their miracle. And Jesus didn't come for the miracle. He said, I came to preach. All this miracle stuff is slowing me down. Did Jesus do the miracles? Yes. Why? Because he had compassion. But listen, he said, I don't have time for that. I came to do something greater in their life. Greater in their life. I came to give them the gospel. These crowds are hindering. So the leper tells, uh, the, the, Jesus tells the leper, don't tell anybody what I've done. Just go give your testimony to the priest. That's not that hard. A lot of people say, oh, I've been souls preacher, but that's too hard. That's not hard. But listen to the devil. Winning souls is not hard. You say, well, I wouldn't know how to do it. All you got to do is go give your testimony. Tell somebody what Jesus did for you. Tell somebody, and then let the Holy Ghost show that person, if I do what, what they did, Jesus will do that for me too. It's not hard. It blows my mind how difficult it is for people who have been changed by the power of the gospel now to just cooperate with our Master's directive. You think about this for a second. Jesus tells this man, don't tell anybody. What did God do? He went and told everybody. Jesus tells us, don't tell everybody. What do we do? We don't tell anybody. Why is it so hard just to cooperate if we would just do things Jesus' way? I want to I scream this to some of these churches that are, that, that are turning their church into six flags over Jesus in an effort to win people to the kingdom of God. Listen. Jesus didn't tell us to build roller coasters. I ain't got a problem with roller coasters, but Six Flags has got that handle. Jesus told us, preach the gospel. If we'll just cooperate, preach the blessed old book, sing the songs of Zion, Brother Ronnie, and give an invitation, lives will be changed if you cooperate with the Master. Are you cooperating with His plan? Just share your testimony. You know, I can't fault the guy for being excited. He had a joy he couldn't contain, but... He really slowed down what Jesus wanted to do. He really did. In the end of this story, there's something else that I've seen that blesses my soul. If you come to the end of Mark chapter 1, the Bible tells us the leper went out and began to publish it much, to blaze abroad the matter. Insomuch, look at this, verse 45. Insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter the city, but was without in desert places. The leper is clean. The leper is cleansed. He's back in the city. He's back out there with everybody. He's back in good fellowship with everybody. But there was a time when the leper couldn't be in the city. That leper was out there in the desert place. But what did Jesus do? Oh, I'm about to have a scrap. Jesus Christ went to where he was and said, let's trade places, oh boy. And now, the leper's in the city and Jesus is in the desert. Jesus swapped places. He substituted himself for the leper. 
And beloved, that's what Christ did for you. You should have hung on the cross. I should have hung on the cross. But Jesus went on the cross while we went into the city. Listen to me. I should have died. I should have suffered the wrath of God. But Jesus said, go on into the city. I'll go out there in your place. Listen, I want you to know if you're lost today, Jesus Christ came here to trade places with you. I want to tell you, that's the best trade. You ain't ever going to trade that good. You're never going to get a, tra- a deal. That's the deal of the century. Well, what is it going to take, Lord, for me to have eternal life, all my sins forgiven, and a home in heaven? Surely, Lord, I'm going to have to go out and, and be a martyr for the gospel. Jesus says, no. No, I'm not requiring you to kill yourself like the Muslims do. Uh, well, surely if I'm going to go to heaven, then, then I've got to spend my life raising money. And I've got to, at the end of it, I've got to, I've got to spend my life and I've got to give so much money to pay, to pay my way in. And Jesus says, no, you, you don't do that. Or some people say, well, if you want to go to heaven, then here's what you got to do. Just spend your life working real hard and, and you just try to quit testing and lay down all your bad habits and build up some good works. And then when it comes down to the end of the thing, uh, the Creator will take all your good stuff and put on this side of the scale and all your bad things. And if the scale tips in the right way, maybe you'll go to glory. And Jesus says, no, you ain't got to spend your life trying to pile up a bunch of good works. Then what have I got to do? Jesus. Jesus just says, Take my hand. Take my hand. And he'll lift you up and change your life. You say it's got to be a process. No, the Bible says he'll change you immediately. Oh, it'll take you a while to let go of some stuff and for your life to get sanctified and all this stuff. But oh, he'll cleanse you just like that. That old leper, we don't read where he ever had to get cleansed again. No, he was changed. Thank you for joining us today. Pointing the Way is a ministry of Northside Baptist Church in Dallas, Georgia. If you would like to contact the ministry, you may write Pointing the Way, 120 Northside Church Road, Dallas, Georgia, 30132. Or visit us on the web at www.northsidedallas.com. Until next time, open God's Word to point the way for direction in your life.